This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk,、yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Judy Cho, and I'm here with my good friend and co host, Laura Spath. Today, we are going to talk about all things brain health. We are not neurologists or brain specialists, so this will be very, very high level. But I just、um, I did learn something cool recently, and so I did want to share that. And Laura at Boca Low Carb Conference, she saw a talk, right, about brain health. Yeah, there w a s several actually.、Okay. Uh, Dr. Boz talked about brain health, and she has a lot of good information on that.、Um, Dom Diagostino talked about the connection of like metabolic issues and brain health. And then also Dr. Michael Hoffman talked about it. So there's like several talks in a row that all delved around it. And I can share you some of my takeaways that I had from those talks. And then people can go dig more into that information from them if they、uh, are looking for more on that. Let's dig into some of them. And I, I just literally wanted to say one, two sentences on sleep, and I thought it would be pretty cool. Yeah, do that. Let's help me with my sleep, Judy. <laughs> <laughs>、okay. Well, I don't have any recommendations for the sleep part. People can listen to one of our older episodes on sleep. I think we did, was our episode two on sleep? It was one of yeah, the we, very first ones. I know we did that one. And then even recently with carbs, we talked, we've done several. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. As well. Yeah. I was on a training call with a SERS provider and she works at Amen Clinic. So, Dr. I forgot his name. I think it's Daniel Amen, but he is the super famous guy right now with all the celebrities about if you need a brain scan, he is the person to go to. So, I think he's been、huh. on Oprah. So, he's this famous brain person. And when does of- Oprah still have a show or where does she like, where does Oprah share people anymore? I think. He released a book and has been on TED Talks a long time、oh, ago. And so I'm guessing back then. 
that makes sense. Yeah. Or maybe it was a podcast. I don't know. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe well, I do know, know she still puts out a list every year of like her favorite things. Oh, okay. How does she do that? Uh, so I, I don't, she probably has a newsletter or something. <laughs> I don't follow <laughs> Oprah anymore. Clearly neither one of us keeps up with Oprah, but this guy is Oprah recommended. That's yes. Yes. So anyways, I, a SERS provider recently moved over to him and in his clinic. And so I went to a training with her and she was talking about, cause they do all things brain related. They do brain scans, show you pictures of different areas that are more inflamed. And then she talks specifically about sleep. And she said, um, the only time that your brain is detoxing is with deep sleep. That's the only time. Mm. So when people don't get deep sleep, and I guess without those aura rings or something, you can't really measure that, but it is when you're in deep sleep, not REM sleep, but when you're in deep sleep and you get a lot of that deep sleep, it's when you're really doing the detox of your brain. So you're cleaning up dirty cells and anything else that might be in there. And so people that, for example, that have SIRS or chronic inflammatory response syndrome, they don't sleep as well. And then they're waking up every couple hours. And so they're never hitting that deep sleep. And then when you don't hit that deep sleep, that's why they're probably not getting that restorative support for the brain, which then helps them or exacerbates their brain fog and their brain inflammation. The same thing too, I guess, if you have sleep apnea and you're constantly waking up, your body's never getting in that deep sleep. And I think, you know, if you're a lot of times sleep apnea can be weight related or metabolic issues related. You know, Chris used to have sleep apnea and slept with a machine and he doesn't anymore. But, um, and I think that compounds, right? Cause then you're not getting enough restorative sleep. Then your metabolism starts to be affected. Then you're hungrier Then your hormones are affected, right? So having something like sleep apnea can disrupt your sleep, which can compound into all these other issues. Yeah. And she said that ideally, And again, I don't think, I don't know how else you would know if you're in deep sleep other than those tracking tools, even though I say that. Which those are very expensive. I I was going to say, I know if someone's listening to this in continuation, they'll say, what episode so-and-so Judy said these are not necessary, but I just have to say, I don't know how you would measure or track deep sleep without either doing like a sleep study or using one of those tools. So I just have to put that out there, but um, I still don't necessarily think you need those gadgets ideally, you should be in about 15 to 30% of your sleep, it should be in deep sleep, meaning that if you're sleeping eight hours, you should at least be getting about two to three hours of deep sleep. Essentially, if you're waking up and you're tired, you don't feel like you're rested and restored, then that might be a sign you're not getting as much deep sleep. It's also hard to know like how long dreams last, right? Because but if you're dreaming a lot, then you're not actually getting, you're not in that deep yes, sleep yes. phase. Or I guess it's if you remember your dreams. Because I know after I had my surgery and I was sleeping in my chair, I was having wild dreams every single night. And part <laughs> of that maybe is like the medications I was on and the drugs, but I also, it's crazy. I also contributed to the fact that I was sleeping in a recliner and I was in a lot of pain and I just wasn't getting great sleep. So I was remembering all these like crazy dreams that I was having. So if you're somebody who constantly remembers your dreams, maybe you are getting very good sleep. And I'm not sure about this. Again, I'm not a sleep specialist either, but I, I don't think the dreams are in your deep sleep. I don't know, though. I know that we dream a lot and we don't remember most of it. I, I think if you remember your dreams, I don't think it's related to deep sleep. <laughs> Okay, let me say this because I know you're going to hear this when you're editing. If you hear this cracking sound right now, Judy, this is me popping my silly putty. This is my new obsession (laughs) and how I'm keeping my hands busy. It's like my adult stress ball slash fidget spinner. 
if I've been doing a little bit of fasting, right? So, and my mom was here. This is a total tangent. I'm sorry, but I'm just <laughs> explaining to people because I, Judy can't edit out all of these cracklings from my silly putty. But when my mom was here uh, recently, we were playing uh, a lot of cards and you know how you always want to eat when you're playing card games and stuff. I don't know. It's like, I grew up like snack eating mountains of popcorn and cheese and treats when you're playing card games late at night. Mm. And so we were trying to avoid playing cards and the kids had got silly putty in their stockings for Christmas. And so my mom and I both pulled out a wad of that silly putty to mess with. And now it's turned into like, whenever I'm busy and I just want something to do with my hands, I mess with silly putty and see if you hear those crackles. Yeah. So when I'm talking, I could just mute you or have the editor mute you. But when you're talking, I can't do that, unfortunately. Yeah, but that's extra (laughs) editing for you. I'm just telling, I'm releasing you of that burden where you don't have to edit it and people don't care. But if you're, if you want something to do at night, that's like, helps you keep your hands busy and you're watching TV. Chris and I'll sit there and watch TV at night and, or talk to each other about our day. And we're both playing with silly putty. So we don't want to snack. That's so interesting. It just shows you the pairing and history. So when it comes to watching shows and being with the family around the TV, I've always snacked. And so that's always been my more bigger struggle. So I have to always pair something with watching TV still, but get some silly putty girl. Yeah, I just bring my computer or the phone, but you're right. That's probably a yeah, better yeah, yeah. option or knitting, which I would probably never do. <laughs> I know I used to crochet or something, but this is like, I can do it mindlessly and still talk and record with you and I'm not eating anything or, I mean, not that I would eat now anyway, but do you know what I'm saying? It's just, <laughs> yeah. now it's just turned into a tick and I can't stop it. All my coworkers are like, think I'm crazy. Like, what anyway, are you doing? I'm totally sorry. No, okay. no, but I was just going to say. We never played cards because my parents were super conservative and super Christian. And so, and it's not a religion thing, I guess, but. Well, no, we weren't allowed to play with real playing cards. Well, my parents. Anything that had like uh, real playing cards on it, we couldn't do. It was like phase 10, (laughs) you know, like canasta cards, rook cards, like other, you know, board games and stuff. Yeah, yeah. We had like the hearts, diamonds, spades. We couldn't play with that because that's not. Well, my parents sure. were from a different country, <laughs> so yeah. I think all cards were the same to them. If they were a small card deck, it's you can't play it. And so I didn't even really play goldfish and stuff. I would play it at school. Goldfish. Or no, <laughs> goldfish. Go fish. <laughs> so I just proved my point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we played go fish, but it was like cards with fish on them. Like right, actual, right, right, like right. Characters, not like playing cards. Anyway, this is... Yeah. Was- clearly we didn't get enough sleep because our brains are going wild today i think it's because it's uh friday end of day but i did take a quick look while you were playing with your um toy (laughs) so deep sleep is where we metabolize glucose so therefore it makes sense if you're not getting that restorative sleep and i think the biggest sign of deep sleep is when someone tries to wake you up and you're just like a solid rock and no one can get you up Um, that's when you're pretty much in deep sleep. It's an hour after you start sleeping. So if you're sleeping five solid hours and you feel okay waking up, you probably are still getting some good amount of deep sleep. So it is where you detox. It is where you're metabolizing glucose, replenishing energy stores. So essentially, if you're not waking up feeling relatively refreshed, you're probably not getting enough deep sleep. And so there's your release from buying an aura ring. Well, there's Chris, like, closes his eyes. He gets in bed at 11. We have this running joke in our family that he'll turn into a pumpkin if he stays up past 11. 
So at 11 on the dot, he lays down, he's asleep by 11.02, and then he wakes up at 5.30 completely refreshed, and I want to punch him. <laughs> like, uh, we, I mean, we've talked about this on here so many times, but I guarantee he's getting really good deep sleep just simply because of how, like, clockwork it is. He wakes up refreshed, he's ready to go. Like, all of those things work so well, and I am probably not getting as good of deep sleep because it takes me longer to fall asleep, and then I have, like, I just need more sleep. So it probably takes me longer just to get the same amount of deep sleep as it does him. Right, right. Yeah, and it it just depends. I just have clients that wake up every two hours and then they have this burst of energy that they can't go back to bed. And then it takes forever to go back to bed and then they can't sleep again. And then they'll sleep maybe two hours. And I think at that point, um, you need to find out what's going on. And oftentimes, if you've been carnivore, mostly carnivore, low carb, it's not a blood sugar dysregulation thing at that point. Right. But it might be if you're new or if you're still yes, yes. reversing your insulin resistance, or if you're kind of just starting totally. out and you're having that wake up in the middle of the night, it's likely some kind of blood sugar issue. Yes. Once you've been doing it for a long time, it's probably something else. Yeah. And one thing I noticed is if I work really, really late and then I, even if I get the eight hours, I feel a little bit more groggy because I'm sleeping so late. And my mom always used to say that every hour of sleep that you get before midnight is worth two. And I always thought that was so silly, but it kind of makes sense with what you're saying. But yeah, there's some people in the wellness space that said after the, I think it's nine or 10 o'clock, there's a peak part that you'll get rejuvenative sleep. And then another time at a certain hour, and I don't know the numbers. I've never been a person that slept early, even at a very young age, I've always been very goal oriented. So if I'm like cleaning my room at a young age, I wouldn't sleep until I organized everything in the room. And so my mom. (laughs) But this is what happens. Judy texts me at like 11 or 1130 at night and I'll respond to her at like 630 in the morning because I'm trying to, or like I'll see a text pop up at 11 and I'm like, I can't, I'm supposed to be sleeping. I'm already supposed to be sleeping. If I answer Judy now, I'm going to be up way too late talking to her. So then I have to respond to you at six in the morning or whenever I get up for work, but then you're. What's connecting is a challenge, right? <laughs> and that's why we do this podcast. No. Yes. I have been more mindful of messaging at night. I, I Maybe not the last few days, but I, I have been mindful so that I don't disturb you. I imagine you with your sound machine, your... And my eye mask. <laughs> yeah. And then Judy's like, the note. I, it doesn't, it, there's no sound. So you're not really bothering me, but I do get sucked into conversation. And then I, Chris comes to bed at 11 on the dot and he's like, you're still awake. What's going on? He's like, is it Judy? Every time. <laughs> okay, anyway, let's go back. We're we're loopy today. Okay, yes. Um, so not brain related, but not sleep related. Anything else sleep related that you want to mention before we go to other brain stuff? No, I just think if you're not getting good sleep and then you feel kind of foggy, it's not always the diet. It could just be your sleep is affecting your brain function. And then with that brain function and then not getting good sleep, it's going to affect, like you said, Laura, the hormones, your blood sugar imbalances, cortisol. Yes. Um, I notice when I sleep less and I try to function sleeping on like four or five hours, which isn't common that I do that. But if I do, I notice in interviews, I start stuttering because I'm like, oh, where's my brain? Where's my brain? And it's because I didn't sleep enough. Yeah. It has a huge, it's like such a compounding impact. Um, one of the people that spoke at the low carb conference on brain related stuff was Dr. Boz. And she talked a lot about um, how physical trauma, chemical trauma, and metabolic trauma all impact your brain similarly. Mm -hmm. So physical obviously is like if a kid gets hit in the head with a baseball or you have a car accident or concussions, football concussions, like all of these things are obviously like 
physical trauma to the brain. Right. She won't let her kids play football because she's too scared of concussions um, and their brain damage. And like, she talked a lot about, you know, teens and the danger of brain trauma at that age. Um, She did talk to a lot about like a teenage brain stops maturing when it's swollen and having a big amount of trauma to the brain as a teenager, your hippocampus is going to stop, which I don't, you have to look up what all that stuff means and does for you, but she explained it really well. Um, but your hippocampus is like this super important part of your brain and it stops maturing when it's swollen and it can get swollen from this physical trauma. Obviously any of those things that happen also chemical trauma, which could just be like drugs and alcohol, um, and metabolic trauma. And she was showing a lot of different slides, which was really riveting about, you know, a kid who got hit in the head with a baseball and this mass, like this huge area in his brain that was not lit up and not functioning properly because of this trauma. And then she showed somebody who was um, alcohol and drug dependent and had lots of holes in their brains where this, you know, all these things in the brain weren't being stimulated. And then she showed somebody who was like 40 and obese with type two diabetes. And that brain was the worst of all of them. And so having this trauma, metabolic trauma to your brain of high blood sugar, type two diabetes, and you know, it can be extremely detrimental. And think about again, like as a teenager, if you are having a teenager, who's extremely high blood sugar, obese, having a lot of metabolic issues, it can be extremely damaging to the brain, uh, even more so than like physical trauma or drug and alcohol. It's crazy trauma. So the hippocampus is part of the limbic system, which is our natural fight or flight part of our brain. Um, There's a lot of other important components of the limbic system, but it's where our memories process long-term memory. One thing that that kind of relates to this is when I was doing that training, so that same part of the brain, it might not be the hippocampus, but part of the limbic system, that's where long-term memory happens. So for people that have a hard time remembering things long-term, and they've had trauma in their past, um, a lot of times it's a stress response, a trauma response. If you notice that you also have a hard time remembering things long term, or even retaining new learned things, it actually may be that you need to do some limbic system work, either working on the trauma or working on that memory piece. So I, I can see how why Dr. Boz would be so careful with her children And I don't know how this is all connected in the brain, but it is all connected. So there was a girl that was born nearly deaf. And so they're barely holding on to her hearing with ear. What are they called? (laughs) Hearing aids? Yeah. I I don't think it's a hearing aid, but. Like the cochlear implant? Yeah. It might be a cochlear implant, actually. So whatever it may be, the doctor said if she has any bit of head trauma, she will completely lose her hearing. So the doctor says she cannot be part of any contact sport. And so the only thing she's able to do is maybe swim, but she can't even do so it's even beyond football. So it's also soccer, basketball. And I guess this person is, you know, loves contact sports, but can't because there's a risk that she'll never be able to hear again. That's a phrase I've never uttered about myself is that I love contact sports. Sorry. It's just interesting. You know, I think that's so interesting too, that you say that because I I have a very good short-term memory. I always have had like really good ability to memorize plays or speeches mm-hmm. or presentations or whatever. Yeah. Like, you're really good with names. I remember. Like, yeah. I can memorize stuff very quickly, but I have this, like, I don't know why, but I swear I don't remember most of my childhood. Right. And I think that I, we all go through trauma 
at different levels, but it's all, we all have something in our past. And so maybe it's related to trauma or maybe that I'm pushing things out. I also wonder if, because I spent so much time with high blood sugar and being obese and having all this metabolic damage to my brain that I've never put those two together now until you just said something about the long-term memory. Like maybe it is because of the fact that like I spent so much time being metabolically unhealthy that all of those long-term memories of my childhood have been pushed away. So it's an interesting thought. Yeah. Uh, I do know like now having better brain health, I can, you know, function better and talk clearer and, and uh, maybe not today, but like in general <laughs> have like a better, you know, better brain function. But it is interesting to think if I've like lost a lot of those memories. I know for a fact, I've lost most of my childhood in my brain, but I wonder if it's because of metabolic damage. This, my guess would be a mix of this stuff that happened with your brother. And then I'm sure it got exacerbated with the diet. I mean, that's why they call dementia um, type three. Yeah. Type three. Yes. No, Alzheimer's. Oh, is Alzheimer's. it Alzheimer's? Sorry. Okay. So, um, but still, dementia is directly related right. to sugar as well. Yeah. So, I mean, they they consider Alzheimer's type three diabetes because essentially your cells in your brain are starving for energy and they cannot access the glucose, and so cells are literally dying. And if you were metabolically flexible or able to use ketones, the brain cells could use ketones, but instead, it's waiting for sugar. And then it cannot access it properly and it ends up dying. And then people start not being who they are. That's like long-term memory loss to the extreme, right? And yeah, yeah, so I think, I mean, people notice that. That's one of the biggest things they say when people go low carb or keto, they say, oh my gosh, my brain fog is gone. Or I, I think so much clearer now. And I think that's part, I mean, this is so conspiracy theory, but I think it's part of the reason we are fed to eat all this nasty, junky food so that we right. cannot think for ourselves and then we cannot be individual people to say, hey, what's going on in the world is probably not ideal. All of this stuff that we are okay with that's going on lately, we don't have the brain capacity to even think about it because we're so sick off the food we're eating that's causing us to literally have brain damage. Yeah, it's po- it's literally poisoning you. Right, right. Um, Dom Diagostino talked a lot at that BOGA conference about brain health and how changes in our metabolic physiology change our brain metabolism completely. And he obviously, uh, if you don't know, he, he takes exogenous ketones, which can be helpful for healing specific things. If you're epileptic or you have brain trauma, you know, they are using ketones. He says ketones rescue brain energy, um, ketones awaken the brain in an extreme, uh, I can't even read my own writing, but (laughs) ketones are helpful for the brain. And then also ketones are nerve protective. So it's interesting to find that like from a diet perspective, Google trends show that keto is trending down, but from a scientific research standpoint, people are doing more and more research, more research now than ever on a ketogenic diet and on ketones in general. So, you know, we've talked about how you shouldn't be taking exogenous ketones if you're just trying to like lose weight and you ate some carbs and there's a lot of like MLM products out there that sell ketones. I'm not a fan of all of those things, but if you have somebody who's epileptic, if you have somebody who is healing brain trauma and needs a lot of things, those that's where the super high ketones are necessary. You can achieve that by eating the really high fat diet, which we've talked about, but you also can achieve that by taking exogenous ketones. And he's saying that I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but you know, they're finding that kids who under eat protein in an effort to have this therapeutic ketosis state are getting their growth stunted and it's causing long-term damage. And so 
a lot of the way that they're countering that now is to have the kids eat enough protein, but then take exogenous ketones to boost their ketones high enough to help their brain. So it's kind of this, you know, these are tools that are all really helpful, but I think sometimes we uh, cannibalize them or whatever the word is to use them for weight loss hacks. And it's really, they're just this therapeutic solution for very specific reasons. Yeah, right, right. That's exactly it. I think exogenous ketones are beneficial when you're first starting this diet. Maybe you need a little bit more energy because you're having electrolyte imbalances from going low carb. Um, Or it's because of these people like Dr. Dom DiAgostino mentioned where they need that extra support as a child, but to use it just because you cheated over the weekend and now you want to be in faster ketosis, that's not going to make you lose weight. The ketones will not directly make you lose weight, even if the keto numbers are higher. It's um, yeah, just you might feel better and it might help you get through the keto flu because you're going to have better brain energy, but it's certainly not going to help you lose weight in any way. One thing that I recently learned is that before, maybe even 20 years ago, everyone thought that if your brain got damaged, it could never repair itself. And it's just not true. So recent, um, I think some of it's the dendritic pruning and there's other things that we can talk about, but the brain can repair itself. So even in SIRS, if you see the brain shrinking, there are images you could take where as you heal, it'll start growing again. If we know all of these things, even if somebody that has Alzheimer's is starting to not be themselves, if they change their diet, there's actually hope that they can get better. And we've seen stories online where people were not able to walk or um, they were bedridden and they couldn't really speak. They couldn't recognize people. And then they eat a keto keto diet and you see them walking again. And it's just sad because I wonder if one of the reasons why keto, the diet is actually going down is because part of it is enough people have tried it and they're saying it doesn't work. But I wonder if that it doesn't work. Part of it is because there's so many companies now that sell keto products that are probably never letting you get into ketosis, then you don't reap the true benefits of it. All you did is use alternative sweetener types of foods. They never really worked. You never got over your craving. And so instead you just say, and I'm not losing weight. So might as well eat the real thing and still be the same weight that I am. And people never addressed their root cause issues with food. Like why was I using those treats and desserts and things that were causing me? Like where was the emotion behind why I was eating? Where was that trigger to eat? Like where did those cravings come from? And what was I using to soothe, right? Um, Obesity is the symptom, right? Like that's what we talked about. Obesity is a symptom of pain, of suffering is what Dr. Tro said. So like they didn't address the suffering that they were experiencing or the euphoria, the need to get high from treats of some kind. And a lot of keto products can still provide that for you, which is why I think a lot of us somehow find carnivore. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's why I needed carnivore. It was that, that bridge on some days was good. And then some days it was the detriment of everything for me. So carnivore just worked so much better for me. I just think it makes so much logical sense to see that a lot of us, especially if we're younger, we don't really struggle with brain imbalances. Maybe we all get the brain fog and fatigue in a sense, but we don't think we have to worry about brain health until we're older, but our brain is connected to our body. So if we see healing with a diet in our body, we will also see that healing in our brain and vice versa. If you are feeling Um, your body feeling just less than ideal, it's affecting your brain. And I just think that we think 
if it doesn't affect you today, then it's not, um, then I don't need to worry about it. We just have to know that without our brain function, which is where that hippocampus is and hit the, it's connected to the limbic system, which all of that also affects your ability to produce thyroid hormone because it's all connected. And if you don't have good quality brain function, you will probably, um, you will not have optimal health. I want to talk through some of the things that uh, Dr. Michael Hoffman said in okay. low carb. Who's Boca. Michael it, Hoffman? Dr. I honestly, I didn't know him before Okay, I was there. Apparently he's like one of the, he's just been in the keto space for a really, really long okay. time. Uh, Dr. Westman, again, has been around doing keto for like 20 right. years. So apparently um, Dr. Hoffman is another one. I wasn't familiar with him, but he did a whole talk on brain failure and the low carb diet imperative, which I thought was like a really great. Uh, conversation. And I'm, I'm, if I mentioned some of these things during the, the other recap that we did, I'm sorry, but I think it's worth mentioning again. And I don't remember. Um, we, which is ironic. <laughs> brain about brain and memories. It just was so, I had so many takeaways from him. He talked about how we cannot possibly separate the brain and the mind, right? Those things are separate. And there's also this body, brain, and mind are not separable. You're, you know, and he said, the bigger your belly gets, the smaller your brain becomes, Mm -hmm. which is like, not even in proportion, but literally your brain is shrinking based on your high blood sugar and, you know, all all the metabolic damage that you're causing it. Um, He talked about how migraines are a metabolic disorder. It's an early warning sign that something is wrong in your brain that you are constantly getting. If you are somebody who gets regular migraines, you are likely having a metabolic disorder and something is right. It's like an early warning sign that you're going to be, that you're causing damage to your body or right. something is not right in your body, which I thought was so crazy. Um, he's like, causes of migraines are stress, weather changes, right? All these stress on your body and all of those can be metabolic related. Obviously the, not the weather I'm saying, but those could be triggers because your body is not metabolically healthy. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's um, I do see my clients have less migraines once they go carnivore, but some people it doesn't subside fully, which is interesting. So I wonder if they have just more damage from other things, but I I find that to be so interesting. So it's almost like a pre pre diabetes or a pre. Right. So that's, yeah. And then it takes time to heal, right? It could take longer to heal in reverse, but unfortunately, like so much of what we talk about medications for migraines again, treats the symptoms, but it's not treating the root cause of the metabolic damage or the trauma that's happened to your brain in some ways. And I thought, I I really, I'm sorry if I've shared this quote already, but he said, there was a poet named Alexander, that's all my notes say, (laughs) said, (laughs) when a flower doesn't bloom, you fix the environment in which it grows, not the flower. And I thought that was like, so like that resonated with me so much. And I think even on a deeper level than just brain, what we're talking about is if you're trying to heal yourself from metabolic damage, from overeating, from eating disorders, from weight, obesity, from diet, all these things that you're trying to heal yourself, if all you're doing is trying to fix yourself and you're not fixing the environment in which you are in, you will not have long-term success, right? And he talked about five rules for brain health, which relates to this is socialization, cognitive exercise, right? Like thinking, having important cognitive exercises, nutrition, you have to eat on some kind of anti-inflammation diet. You need some type of physical exercise. And then also sleep is the fifth one. Right. And all of those things make up your, if you have trauma that's happening in your life daily, it's not, and you're still just trying to like change the way that you eat, but you're not actually fixing all of these other stressors. You know, then you're sitting there trying to fix the flower and you're not fixing the environment in which it grows. 
Yeah. I mean, I could personally attest to my clients. A lot of people, we fix the diet or fine tune the carnivore diet and they get better. We work on gut health, they get a lot better. And then some people, they need more than that. So when we start talking about their lifestyle, some of them have really stressful jobs. They may have jobs that some people die on that job and or it's because of the environment, they just are in a tumultuous marriage. There's a lot of things that affect our life. And it's not always that you just need a carnivore harder, or you need to find a more perfect diet or more perfect water or get more light in the eyes. Oftentimes, like you said, the environment is not ideal. But it's easier to blame a diet or something you put in your mouth, or the water you drink than to say, well, I have to change my job, or I have to change the place I live in or the marriage I'm in. I just have noticed that it's when the work is harder, people are less willing to embrace it. And, or they're quick to just blame themselves and say yeah, like, I yeah. failed. I couldn't do it hard enough. I couldn't do it perfect enough. I couldn't cut out my coffee. I couldn't quit eating salt. I couldn't eat that much butter. I'm the failure. And all you're doing is blaming yourself when blaming like the fact that there was so much more to it, or that wasn't the right thing for you to be doing in the first place. But so let's think of that. I don't know why I'm raising my hand. Like, wait, let me tell you something. Um, (laughs) When we have this negative perception of us, our bodies will do whatever it can to protect us. So if it thinks, okay, so whatever I just did made me in a negative state where now I'm thinking less of myself, I need to remember that moment and never go through that again so that I can think highly of myself so that I could survive another day. And that's the way that the brain will function. And all of that's part of that limbic system we were talking about that even affects the hippocampus. That's where our belief system in us and will affect us. And then our diet affects us. And then it's this vicious cycle. So the way we view the world, the way we see the world, the way we experience the world, and then the food we eat, and then the lack of sleep. And it's just no wonder we are all a depressed society right now that's so unhappy, so overweight. Um, I saw that Dr. Baker shared a video recently of some woman and she, she's very overweight. It's very obvious. I don't know if you saw it. And she's saying, I think she's less than 30 years old and she just got on the camera and is saying, I realized that I'm really sick and I thought it was my overweightness that got me sick, but actually it's more than that. I, I have stuff in my organs because she's overweight that she's sick now. And I wish I just looked at, why I was overeating and stuffing my face to get this sick. And now I can barely walk. It's been years since I've been out in public. Um, Maybe I went somewhere for the first time, but I can't even stand for long. And so I didn't, so I didn't see that from Baker, but Chris actually just sent me that video today. As you're describing it, I'm like, I think that's what Chris sent me. And so I just looked on Baker's Instagram. It's the same one. She, uh, unfortunately she passed away. So that video was, I saw that on Twitter, Twitter today. Oh, okay. So, and then in the end, She's saying, I wish I didn't just stuff my feelings and figured out why I was using food or something like that. And, and then I wouldn't have gotten this sick. And and then yes, and then the whole caption said that she passed away. And when I when you see that, and you hear her, it just you can't help but feel really sad. And it's just but when we have, yeah, she was just trying to share that, like, I wish that I had known, or I wish that I would have realized that food was not the answer Yes, or that like, this was going to happen to me from eating. Like, this is what happened to me from eating. 
Do you know the context of the story at all? Because I don't. I I mean, no, it's I literally saw the clip that I'm looking on Baker's Instagram right now. Okay, I just saw it. Somebody shared it on Twitter and Chris sent it to me and it just was really sad. So I don't unfortunately, it's one of those things that like somebody just pulled out a one minute clip. And I hate these moments, honestly, but like because a bunch of people are just using it to further whatever message they're trying to send. The, the person who posted it on Twitter that I saw actually, thankfully, was being respectful and then saying like, you know, I, I don't know of any situation where this person clearly has experienced major trauma in their life. Right. And likely some type of crazy abuse as when they were when they were younger and they were using food for that. And then unfortunately, people have enabled them for years and years and years to be able to continue to be that unhealthy. Cause she clearly wasn't, she said she had, I haven't gone to the grocery store in like three years. And so when you look at that person in that picture, like, unfortunately there's just so much abuse and trauma that's all wrapped up into that. And that's really heartbreaking. When it comes to drugs and alcohol, we know it's not ideal. And so we try, there's a lot more support systems and groups you can join. And not to say that those are easy or easier, But when it comes to food, we almost accept that certain junky foods is okay. And there was a party I went to for the kids um, a long time ago. And some parent asked me, why don't you let your kids eat a lot of sugar? Like, who cares? It's just a birthday party. They're metabolically healthy. And I said, would you give your kids cigarettes? I mean, honestly, I just think I know how bad it is for you. And why would I give them a lot of it? I mean, would you give your kids alcohol right now? And and then they didn't know what to say. But it's, it's the truth. It's just... I know the ramifications. I see it in my practice every single day. I saw it with my illness and I'm not willing to just to fit in, have my kids go through that. And it's just, and I see these videos and it, it really made me so sad seeing that there had to be somebody that brought her the food because that she was able to consume it. And we accept that food is, it's okay. Just let them have it this time. And I sometimes see myself doing that with my kids of, Oh, I should just let them have it this time because everyone else is having one. But it's not ideal because we know that these foods are so toxic to us. There's no nutrition and it's literally killing us slowly and it's addictive. And imagine what it's doing to the brain. I mean, if we know that it's stopping the child's brain from growing, it's devastating. Yeah. Between, I mean, like if you don't want your kid to get hit in the head with a baseball, right. That's the, the, what they're eating could potentially be causing the same type of trauma in their brain. That's crazy. Um, that physical trauma and chemical trauma is causing. And that was pretty eye opening to me. I think you kind of summed it up great by saying like, we can't see sometimes all the repercussions that what are happening to our bodies. And it's important to take care of ourselves now. I don't think you're not going to notice the effects of under eating protein or eating too much sugar today in your body. I mean, you might feel bad with inflammation or something from sugar, but the problem is what are the long-term repercussions that you don't see? And I think that's why we have been harping so much as we age, wanting to have strong muscles and be, you know, be, have, be strong as we age and then also have proper brain health and be cognitively functional when we're older. You know, we have a lot of work to do right now to focus on those long-term things. And that's a hard thing to do. It's hard to turn down the cupcake today because you don't want to have dementia and Alzheimer's when you're 80. Like it's, those are sometimes not motivating enough for us. So we have to find what can be our reasons and our why and our motivation every single day in order for us to be able to stay on track. Right. It is hard. I mean, I see a lot of my clients in their intake form, they'll say dementia runs in my family or, high cholesterol and then heart attacks uh, run in my family. And I don't want to die the same way. 
And it's really sad when you see that, but obviously that wasn't motivation enough that, so then now they want to work with us. So I just think that it's not as easy to make these changes, but that's why, that's why you and I both say, find your non-negotiable, or for me, it's win the day. It's find the thing that you focus on every single day. And so you don't turn to the donut or you don't turn to whatever the thing may be that then will cause you to have brain inflammation and without your brain and function, it's, it's just a hard place to be. I mean, I always say diet. I used to say diabetes runs in my family, right? My grandmother had Same type two diabetes. Me. My mom had type two diabetes. I was pre-diabetic. It's, it's not that diabetes runs in my family. It's that obesity and it, eating too much sugar runs in my family. Right. And I'm trying to prevent that. Like my daughter is not destined to have type two diabetes because her great grandmother and grandmother had it. And because their mom was pre-diabetic pre-diabetic, right? My daughter, if she can learn better habits than I had and how to stay more metabolically healthy than I was, isn't going to experience those same things. And it's, it's, there are some things that are genetically, uh, more susceptible to, right. Right. But they're not a, it's not a sentence. Like you, it doesn't have to be that way. We can avoid that. If you think about it, a lot of the reasons why a father and a son will have the same illness is not necessarily the genetics, it's the lifestyle. So you were raised a certain way with certain foods, eating certain times and all that stuff. And then you will likely do the same thing. I see my brother eat the same foods we did when we were kids. And some of them are really, really bad for you. And he's eating them. And it's to me, I see it as nostalgia. But I also think, why are you still eating that? It's so bad for us. At least our parents had the excuse if I didn't know any better. It's And so if my brother ever has the high cholesterol my dad had and the bad cholesterol, right? The high triglycerides, the low HDL. It's not because it's genetic. It's because he's eating the same way my dad did for many, many years before he went mostly carnivore. So oftentimes we blame genetics like, well, I can't really help it heart disease runs in my family. No, no, you can absolutely change that just like we can heal our brain and have it regrow. You can change the trajectory of your health and life, even if illness and stuff is in your family. I refuse to ever have diabetes. And I refuse to struggle with the same things that my mom's side had or my dad's side, my dad's side has mental illness. And I refuse to ever suffer from depression again and have to take the meds. God forbid that ever happens, but as much as I can control that in my capacity with diet and lifestyle, I will do that because my goal is that when I die, I'm still self-sufficiently taking care of myself before I die. Yeah. And that's, we have the ability to prevent and control so much when it comes to metabolic disease, brain function, health, and then the quality of how we live our lives every day. And so much of that is in our control. And it's a hard thing to get your head around sometimes yeah. or even just to like tackle. So it's, it's the day by day, one day at a time thing. Yep. Well, I, I think that's really powerful. So now every time I give my kids sugar, I'm going to have to tell them you're not growing your brain anymore. <laughs> um, next week is our 100th episode, depending on Yay. when you listen to this, but uh, we are celebrating 100 episodes, which is pretty wild. We recorded a live podcast for that and we're going to air it, which is uh, really, it's going to be really fun. I'm excited about that. Uh, And then coming up in April is KetoCon and Judy and I are both going to be there. We're going to record an episode of Cutting Against the Grain there. We're speaking on the women's carnivore panel. We're going to celebrate my birthday. It's going to be all kinds of good things.
And Laura's an MC on Sunday, I believe. Yep. So we have to I all know. join so in and support her. <laughs> a lot of carnivore, Dr. Barry, Dr. Baker are all speaking on Sunday. Uh, and I'll be, okay. uh, they would be in the MC for all that. So it'll be really fun. I'm excited. Oh, I'm excited to see that too. I want to see how you usher them in and usher them in differently. <laughs> That'll be so fun. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> if you are still wanting to get your tickets, you can get the three-day ticket for $50 off. If you use, I think it's C-A-T-G 50 is the code to get 50 bucks off your ticket. Yeah. Cool. Thanks guys. Hope you have a great day. Okay. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>